It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Today's show is brought to you by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip on Instagram. Book your own trip with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there, do that, get rewarded. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 527 or 528, I think, of Locked on Raptors for Thursday, June 6th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked on Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked on Podcast Network. Find a show for a team that you're interested in, if you whether it's basketball, football, baseball, college sports, and subscribe, rate, review that show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and Himalaya. Himalaya. It's a brand new podcast app Himalaya is that is great for personalizing your own podcast playlists, curating you know lists of, of podcasts you used to listen to based on your own interests. You can follow, you can like, you can subscribe to all sorts of different creators and hosts, and it's absolutely free on the App Store and the Google Store. So make sure you check out Himalaya if you're in the market for a new podcast app. Uh, also, the Locked On NBA mock draft is close to completion in my email chain. It's really, really nice not having to be part of the the Locked On mock draft. Not that I don't want to be part of the very good show that we do every year, but not having to worry about who the Raptors are picking and worrying about the finals is pretty awesome. And uh, it's especially awesome when the Raptors are leading two to one as they are now after they beat the Golden State Warriors 123-109 in Game 3 last night at Oracle Arena. And joining me to talk all about that game is our Alvin Jacob. What's going on, buddy? Not much, man. You said it. Two wins away. It's pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) Feels pretty awesome. Uh, Yeah. So last night, the very... My so I'll get to my takeaway from the game first. Normally I throw it to you, but I just wanted to talk about how I felt about the game. It, it seemed like in the moment, like it was going to go off the rails at any time, and that like the Raptors were barely hanging on and barely surviving. But like at the conclusion, and sort of thinking about the game in hindsight, I kind of just think it was a really impressive wire to wire performance from the Raptors, where really any sort of doubt 
probably was unfounded and maybe was a little bit overstated at the time, like in the second quarter and stuff like that. I mean, the Raptors won every quarter. They countered every single punch the Warriors threw. Steph had like a supernova game and they were able to withstand it. I don't know. Did you find yourself in the moment like very stressed and then afterwards kind of, you know, the same as me just sort of looking back and being like, damn, that's like just like a really solid, like across the like 48 minute win. Um, I was I wasn't stressed, but hmm. the second quarter I I, I was very annoyed at. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I thought it was just really bad basketball. I mean, they they went like a, a seven minute stretch where they scored three points, mm-hmm. and so I, again, when when you're going up against a Warriors team without Clay Thompson, without Kevin Durant, when you look at what the impact that Kevin Looney has had on that team, um, for him to be out for the rest of the series to have a quarter like that, I thought was um very annoying and you know this some of the turnovers um the shot clock violations the offensive fouls um some people will say that that was debatable but i just thought there was a lot of bad decision making mm-hmm. and you know on the on the on the flip side unlike the third quarter of game two i thought they really set a good tone um in the third quarter of game three and um Danny Green caught fire. Fred Van Vliet was amazing. Credit to Nick Nurse for starting Fred Van Vliet in the third quarter, even though it didn't really do much to uh, slow down Steph Curry. Um, I, I thought, uh, again, you, it's, it's encouraging to see that proactiveness and him constantly looking to be better, you know, because Danny Green was perfectly fine in the first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, and still to make that decision, I thought was bold. Yeah, that was a bit of a ballsy move, but I think considering Fred is kind of the guy that has hounded Steph the best in this series, and, you know, that's all relative because Steph is still ridiculous, but um, I thought going to Fred instead of Danny in the second half did make some sense. Just, like, as a try to shut down the one dude that they have, you know what I mean? And, like, go with your best option on him. It's not as if, like, Danny Green's a bad option on Steph, although he lost him a couple times early on. I think the first three Steph popped open for in the first quarter was, like, uh, it was they ran a little like stagger screen thing, and he ended up just like completely untouched for for the three. And it was like, oh god, it, like this is how they lose this game is if they just like lose their handle on stopping Steph. And I thought after the first quarter, it kind of like obviously the you, you can only say that you defended him so well when he puts up forty seven points. But I honestly thought that after the first quarter. They kind of defended him pretty well, and Steph was just being an unbelievable basketball player, as he's wont yeah. to do, and was kind of coming through it. I, like, I thought Fred did a good job sticking with him. I thought Siakam on a few possessions here and there did a really nice job. He got hemmed in the corner a couple times with just Siakam's length draped, draped, draped all over him. Um, really, the only time that I thought there was like any sort of... Uh, sort of bending to towards Curry was when like Kawhi was switched on him a couple times and he just didn't have the speed to keep up with him which I guess is not surprising considering the knee thing although still a little bit jarring to see considering it's Kawhi um, but yeah I, I like what did you think of the job they did on Curry I mean like he was insane and it felt like even to like two minutes left in the game he might will them to a comeback but like I, I thought for the most part after the first quarter when things settled down they just kind of you know they did a really good job of taking him away and taking him away is probably the wrong way to put it, but just, like, making everything very, very difficult for him. And uh, I I don't know. I was pretty impressed with it. Yeah, I mean, I think there's only so much you can do when Steph Curry has, you know, full, uh, you know, he's got a neon green light to go out and have a night like he did. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I I think the only 
thing that was maybe weird early on was um, the bigs kind of dropping on mm-hmm. the coverage. Um, and so I didn't quite understand that, but uh, I, I thought they did a good uh, good job of it. After, like you said, after you know the second quarter, third quarter, um, in terms of managing that, in terms of you know just showing him bodies and uh, forcing other guys to make plays. And, uh, you know, Quinn Cook didn't quite have the night that he had um, in Toronto in Game Two. Uh, you look at Demarcus Cousins not having much of an impact. So those those are the things. You know, I think the one big thing you talk about in Game Two. Uh, was his screen assist and the gra- him using his gravity. Um, so outside of his scoring, I think the Raptors did a good job of neutralizing um, his gravity, if anything, yeah. uh, in terms of uh, allowing everyone else to be better. And I mean, obviously that's aided by the fact that the Warriors had like, you know, three good shooters on the court at most at any time during yeah. the game. Um, but yeah, I thought they did a good job. And I thought like the switching was pretty impressive too, in particular with Siakam and Fred, like those two kind of working off of each other. Um, like that, that's, that's a very real sort of combo you can throw at Steph to give him some trouble. It's not like, you know, Steph's going to be able to get separation against Pascal most of the time, right? He's quick. He, you know, he, he plays his, his footwork's pretty good defensively. And I thought it was uh, a really well job well done against Steph, the guy who put up 47, eight and seven and was inspiring me to be a better person. Uh, like, like that just like, he had like Kyle Lowry, like, just like. Furor at the end of the game, where he's just like diving for loose balls, trying to do anything possible. He had the steal as well on the admittedly lazy Lowry pass to Danny Green. Um, like yeah. just a like a terrifying, terrifying basketball player. <laughs> he's he's unbelievable, and I will personally like handwrite a letter towards anyone who does not think that dude is amazing because like he had me on edge the entire night, even though like. As the Raptors were leading in the first quarter, as the second was unfolding, and I'm like, this still does not feel like the Warriors have enough juice, even as the third quarter was happening. Like, it still wasn't until Fred hit that three. Much like when Kyle hit that three in game one with, like, a minute and a half left to put them up 12, it wasn't until Fred hit that crazy, like, high rainbow three where I was like, okay, you can chill now. Steph's not going to do something unbelievable here. Uh, so credit to him for constantly leaving me cowering in fear. I suppose. <laughs> was was that your favorite three of the game? There were a lot of good threes. Ooh, there were some good threes. Uh, so there was one. I mean, the Danny one off the scramble at the at the shot clock uh, in the third I think that quarter was been my pretty awesome. Like on the run, like it was almost like a floater three. That was pretty yeah. great. Uh, honestly, Kawhi hit one on the wing that put them up in the fourth. I think by. I think it put him up like eight. The, like, the catch and shoot? Yeah, yeah. And just, yeah, yeah. Like, it wasn't like a particularly remarkable play or anything like that, but I thought that kind of spoke to how they kind of got Kawhi going a little bit more in that game. Like, it seemed like Kawhi was less sort of being asked to run pick and roll every single time down the floor. When he did do that, that's when the Raptors ran into, into, into their most trouble, like the end of the second quarter there, where the, he's just forcing it into, like, double teams every single time, like trying to, like, split Bogut and green like that just was not going to work um and so i I thought it kind of spoke to that catch and shoot three the ways in which they kind of got leonard going a little bit more just sort of off the ball hanging around on the perimeter kyle picking him out using swings and like having to come to him and him just being like this deadly catch and shoot guy that worked for me quite a bit and and i thought that was uh, it was nice to see him kind of break it open too because he had a pretty rough first half and then the second half, he was very quietly brilliant, and uh, I thought it was deserved when he got that three to go. He was also, like, 
almost on the same level he was of just like maniacal like I'm gonna win this game uh, at the as he was at the end of the third quarter of game six against the Bucks. Like, did you find that like? I don't know. I'm not exactly sure what the sort of inciting incident was, but for the last couple of minutes of the third, like Kawhi was just like, "No, nope, I'm getting every board. I'm getting every loose ball, and we're like, we're not letting this thing happen." And he was the reason for that Danny Green three, right? Like he was the guy who started that whole scramble that led to Green putting up that crazy three that I think was one of the moments where you're like, "Okay, maybe I can breathe a little bit now." Yep. Yeah. Board man. The board, board man gets paid. Board man gets. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. I, I, <laughs> rebounding wise, you know, um, I think that's the great thing about Kawhi. He just, no matter what's going on, he's always trying to stay involved uh, in the game, uh, stay impactful. Um, and you know, the second second quarter, as bad as he was in that quarter, um, you know, I think I tweeted during the second quarter that this is probably the worst stretch of basketball I've ever seen him play. Yeah. And obviously, he's set the bar extremely, extremely high. <laughs> um, and so for him to come out the way he did in the third and sort of close the door on the fourth, uh, and again, not just with his scoring, but uh, rebounding. What the hell uh, happened there? That was bizarre. I do not know. Oh, did you not hear that? My computer went into, like, demon mode for a second. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I heard it. I was, oh, okay. I, was, I, was, I was very confused. Yeah, uh, uh, I'm, I'm scared. Uh, I'm not sure if things, this thing's going to, like, attack me right now. Uh, carry yeah. on, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah I wasn't sure if like Kawhi like restarted his CPU or. Um... <laughs> I actually just clicked on his basketball reference page and that's what screamed at me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, but yeah, uh, again, I think then uh, that that is the beauty of this entire team, right? The, their overall ability to be impactful, whether or not they're making shots, and then when they are, um, it's very very difficult to beat them. Absolutely. Uh, quickly, before we continue on talking about this, I want to get into some of our favorite favorite performances from the game because there were many to pick from for the Raptors. Uh, I want to remind people to check out Grip 6. Grip 6 belts are lightweight. They don't have flaps or holes. They are great-looking belts, and you should definitely go to grip6.com slash lock. That's L-O-C-K-E is in the last name of David Locke, the grand poobah of the Locked On Podcast Network. Grip6.com slash lock to get yourself a special offer on Grip 6 Belts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Vivek, the question I wanted to throw to you next is what was what, what performance of, from a Raptor across the board, and there are like seven to choose from, gave you the most just like satisfaction to see like, yes, that guy did that and that's awesome and I'm very happy for that guy having that performance in such a huge game. Danny Green, yeah. uh, I think for me, uh, we've all been waiting for that breakout game, and uh, he's such a likable guy. Uh, I think he's really, um, I think that the fan base has become really attached to him over the course of the regular season, uh, just because of his demeanor, his openness, his candidness, uh, his podcast at Yahoo Sports <laughs> Canada, um, and 
Yeah, I think you were all waiting for this moment. And so to see him break out like this in a big finals game on the road that honestly, you know, once Clay Thompson was ruled out, it was almost like the pressure was on the Raptors, right? Like there's no way you can afford to lose this game. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, when you see him come out and making threes the way he did, the, the big shots that he made in that third quarter, I thought uh, – that was a big relief, and you're also extremely happy for Danny just because of the type of guy he's been um, over the course of the season. Yeah, it was awesome to see, man, especially after how rough it had been in the last round. And, you know, it, even in the light of, like, I don't want to say he got benched. I just think it was a smart decision that Nurse made to put Fred Van Vliet in the, right. the second half. But to even see him come out after that and just still be so locked in and so, like, money from deep, it was fantastic. It like his threes probably pumped me up the most watching the game like the individual threes like those ones just kind of like got me I mean everything got me out of my seat because I'm an insane person when I watch games but um the Danny Green threes in particular I needed like an extra bit of landing space in front of the couch for me to uh safely (laughs) celebrate um and yeah he he was awesome like there's just no other way to put it he he was he was incredible uh I thought for me, the performance that gave me the most satisfaction in a weird way was Serge Ibaka because he was so bad for the first, like, 12 minutes he played in the game. And then the last 10 minutes he played in the game, he was a monster. <laughs> he was, like, everywhere. He was crashing the glass. He had six blocks in this game, two of which I think were probably goaltends, but we can leave that be. Um, he had the mid-range jumper. He had the nice play, I think, on the roll as well, if I'm not mistaken, um, in the fourth quarter. And, and it was like all all of the good things he did were in direct response to my entire Twitter timeline being like, get Abaka off the damn floor. And he just like, I don't know what it was. He just kind of like clicked in. And it seems like that always kind of happens. He has these games where he'll start out horribly. And then as the game goes on, he settles in. He finds this sort of niche. He finds his comfortability, you know, you know, boxing out under the basket and stuff like that and, like, where he fits in on the offense with how the Raptors are playing. And he just – there's a different kind of energy you can sense that sort of permeates off of Surge when he is going to have a good game. And that you could see – there's, like, little, like, cartoon lines just, like, shooting off of him, the energy he had late in that game. And, and like, that's huge because, like, you can't – Ask Marc Gasol to play 35 minutes. I don't, I don't think that's fair. And, you know, Gasol only playing 26 minutes in this game and not having to come in until late when the Warriors are making that last little push with, like, three or four minutes left. Having Ibaka play most of that fourth quarter, like, that's valuable. There's a day between games. Like, having Gasol having played just 26 minutes in game three bodes well for game four. Like, that, that all of it matters. And having... Ibaka be a useful center in this matchup like it's so so vital and it wasn't like great returns for him for the first couple games I don't think he was particularly bad I just think he was kind of you know just there just being a warm body but he was crucial to the Raptors sort of hanging on at the end there and his defense he made one play Unlike the unguardable play that happens all the time with the Warriors where you overhelp on Draymond on the roll and then there's a guy coming weak side who's going to throw down the lob and Ibaka broke one of those up beautifully and it was like, holy shit, (laughs) that's a play that nobody ever breaks up. That play is like death to everybody and Ibaka was all over it and I just, 
I don't know. What, what did you think of Ibaka's game? I'm gushing. And, and he obviously, I don't think, was the best of all the seven guys who played for the Raptors' heavy minutes in this one. But I just thought his performance was so key late, and, and I was so impressed by it, considering it came out of nowhere. Yeah, I, I, I will quickly add that Kyle Lowry also had one of those plays where, where he was able to break up that lob. With his ass! Yeah. <laughs> he did it with his so, ass! <laughs> so, so, yeah, that was pretty cool, too. Uh, but, yeah. Snapchat surge is uh, better than Facebook surge. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you know, we, we've seen him have some of his best uh, second halves after very disappointing first halves where, you know, it seems like everyone on Twitter is clamoring together to get him benched and just not let him see the light of day. Um, but it's cool that he sticks with it, that it's cool that he finds a way, um, you know, maybe it's a nervous energy that he starts with uh, that he needs some time to sort of ride out and then once he gets comfortable, once he figure, figures out what defense is trying to do with him, what offense is trying to do, he gets comfortable. Um, and good, again, good on Nick Nurse for keeping the faith and mm-hmm. Nurse has talked about in the past uh, where you know Serge over the course of the regular season has earned the right uh, to sort of play through some of that stuff and when you look at the way you know he earned the starting spot um, in the regular season while Jonas Valanciunas was there and, and you know, some of the big games that he had, uh, you know, he, he's been incredibly impactful over the regular season. Then to take a backseat when Marcus all came over, that's not an easy thing to do. Um, and he's been a true team player. He sacrificed for the team. But, uh, he, he, you know, there, there was that whole uh, talk he gave the team after the Raptors went down 0-2 mm-hmm. to Milwaukee and sort of inspired them with that, um, you know, the, the belief that they could do it because he had done it with the Oklahoma City Thunder. So there's the influence of that. So, uh, again, this is a team that I think recognizes the moment um, that, you know, they might not have uh, this opportunity again. We, we, we don't know what's going to happen in the summer. And so instead of, you know, uh, getting bogged down by what, might not be the they're embracing this moment and Serge is one of those guys that you know whatever's come at him this season whether he's coming off the bench whether he's starting um he seems to be able to fight through it and he, he keeps finding a way to be impactful absolutely uh also impactful in this game particularly in the first half when the offense was a little ragged and Kawhi was sort of sorting through it was uh, Pascal Siakam who I, I thought this was a perfect Siakam game. He had 18 points, 9 boards, 6 assists. The assists have been great so far in the series. I think he's averaging like 5.5 a game. Um, and that's been very, very nice to see. He's done a good job passing out of doubles when they send a lot of attention his way when he's trying to post up smaller dudes. Um, he looked like he was very much hunting Jonas Derebko whenever Derebko was out there because why wouldn't you hunt Jonas Derebko? Uh, he had the, like the step-back jumper that was really sweet and smooth. I, I, I don't know. I thought... Maybe he tailed off a bit in the second half, but I thought that was kind of a byproduct of just like everyone else getting hot and there was just maybe not enough ball to go around. But the, the job he did in the first half, like he looked like he was comfortable again and didn't look scared by Draymond Green and just sort of, he got a couple transition opportunities and stuff like that, but just kind of like settled into the flow of the game, was not like rushing when he was fight facing a mismatch and stuff like that. He was just sort of, I, I don't know, I was really impressed by Siakam in this one. It felt like a more controlled performance than we've seen from him typically you know part of what his appeal is is that he's frantic and that he's you know quick twitch and all this stuff but I I thought this was a really sort of you know in control and steady performance from Siakam when you know it it was pretty necessary for him to have that first half 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I think that does take the wind out of the sail of Draymond a little bit. I think, you know, they feed off his energy when he's able to talk trash and, you know, own guys on the defensive end. So when Siakam comes out starting like that, it's almost like they can't get into their natural rhythm. And Draymond, you know, when he's not having as much fun um, doing what he does, uh, then I think it takes away from the Warriors a little bit. And so I thought Siakam, the way he started, the way he was scoring uh, early on, um, was really impactful. And then, you know, he was sort of taking what the defense gave him and uh, moving the ball around. And, uh, again, defensively, we've come to just expect him to, you know, be all over the court and uh, defending multiple positions. And uh, he continues to do that. And it's kind of crazy that, you know, over the course of the regular season, he's been sort of the linchpin that's been in the lineup all through the regular season now into the playoffs he's been dependent on for heavy minutes and obviously there's been some struggles but uh to see him just keep on keeping on uh, is usually encouraging absolutely and i guess we should probably wrap up sort of the run through the raptors performances uh with kyle lowry uh before we switch over to looking ahead to game three and some warriors talk uh holy god what a lowry game like Probably, I would say, like, it wasn't, like, the most explosive offensively or anything like that, but I would say very much up there with, like, Game 7 against Miami, Game 4 against the Bucks, Game 1 against the Bucks as, like, his best playoff performances. Obviously, the games against the Cavs as well in the Conference Finals a couple years back. Like, he was just everywhere. He was, like, the, I think the reason the Raptors' offense got loosened up was the fact that he was, you know, kind of dictating a little bit more in the second half. And his 23 points, 5-9 and nine from deep, like, he, he had that sort of look in his eyes where everything he, he takes is going down. The 9 assists, like, I don't know. I, what do you even say, man? He's so good. And he was so, like, I, I'm just uh, blown away by how good he was in that game. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Draymond Dray- Dray- Green said this is the most aggressive that he's seen him. Yeah. And, you know, this again, we, we keep talking about the full Kalo. Uh, there was a lot of that tonight. Um, probably the only ne- negative that he had was losing a jump ball to Steph Curry. <laughs> and that speaks to how good his night was. Uh, you know, again, when you talk about the threes, uh, five of nine from deep, and it seemed like almost every single one of them was one of those uh, big threes that sort of pushed the lead back to double digits or, you know, kept the Golden State crowd out of it. And so, um, hugely encouraging night. Um, especially after the first two games, the way he was shooting the ball. Mm-hmm. I think it was important to have a night like this. And um, Kawhi has talked about the impact that, you know, when Kyle and Fred and all those guys are making their shots, how much tougher it is for the defense to collapse onto him. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, that is a big thing as well, right? Just just forcing the Warriors to think twice about collapsing on Kawhi um, and being hesitant with that. It, it opens up so much more for the Raptors offense. Absolutely. Uh, Nice to see Kyle have a nice finals moment. Hopefully there are more to come. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed dot com slash podcast terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed 
the Raptors scored 123 points on the Warriors, which is the most they've given up uh, in a finals game in the last five years. Uh, either at, was it at home or in general? I think it's maybe just at home, but yeah, uh, like the Raptors kind of got whatever they wanted in this game, and you could say they had like a hot shooting night or whatever. I mean, they yeah they shot 45 percent from deep, but like it was a lot of wide open looks, and like so I'm not surprised that it was maybe a little bit more unseasonably warm than typically they would you know post, but um, I thought the Warriors half court defense was kind of ass in this game. For for your from your perspective, looking at the Warriors and how they defended the Raptors, it just came down. Chris Haynes reporting that Clay Thompson is going to play in Game Four. I don't know, like no, I don't think anyone really has an idea of how effective he'll be, considering he just missed a game with a hamstring, and the hamstring is so tricky to sort of think about and and, and like without actually seeing it on the court and how it's affecting him. Um, but like, is there anything the Warriors can do to tighten up their, in particular, half court defense against the Raptors? Because they really were, outside of a couple stretches like the second quarter, they were kind of getting whatever they wanted. And is it just a matter of the Warriors not having enough dudes who are good defenders and like having to rely on Sean Livingston guarding, you know, Kyle Lowry, which is just not fair at this point, or, or Cousins being out there, or Bogut being out there, who's just getting cooked when he would get switched onto smaller guys, like? I don't know. What do you think is sort of the the way forward for the Warriors here defensively? Like, are they just too short of guys to be like a like a real hindrance to the Raptors in the half court, or like was it just like a bad performance of them? What did you think? Um, I do think that uh, you know their strategy over the first two games was kind of to be a bit jangy themselves and. Uh, not really respect Marc Gasol and, you know, dare Siakam to shoot the three and that kind of thing. And so uh, I think they really need that to work out in their favor. And so I thought the Raptors did a good job of, you know, hey, if Gasol's not necessarily going to look to shoot the three, we're going to get him in the post, we're going to get him in that mid- in the elbow action, and we're going to find a way for him to be assertive. And so I thought you saw that early on where Gasol was attacking Cousins and that made a big difference. So... Um, I don't know. They they kind of need Gasol to be on the perimeter, not looking to be aggressive. They kind of need Siakam shooting threes. Um, but just because of the lack of bodies, I, I do think they almost need to be able to be uh, disrespectful of certain guys. And you know they've they've talked about <laughs> the Raptors being disrespectful and like leaving a Godala open and playing uh, Jangy defense and whatnot. They might need a little bit of that themselves because <laughs> uh, you know. I, th- I think they've had very good stretches. Again, you t- we, I talked about that seven-minute stre- stretch where they only gave up three points. Um, obviously, there was that 18-0 start to the third quarter in Game 2. Mm-hmm. So they're capable of doing it for stretches. But again, I think the depth just hurts them in terms of being able to do it um, you know, for long enough over the course of 48 minutes. Uh, but hey, the magic number for, the, for them seems to be 109. And so... <laughs> I'll, uh, all, all they need to do is keep the Raptors below that, I guess. Yeah, I do think and the difference between the Warriors leaving guys open and the Raptors leaving guys open is that the guys the Raptors are leaving open are like guys you want to leave open from three. Like Iguodala before hitting that three in game two hadn't made a three since the second round against Houston. And Draymond Green is someone that you're very okay with putting up that weird backpack three-pointer. Like that, that's You're cool with that, whereas the Raptors... None of their guys are bad shooters. I guess you could argue maybe Pascal is skewing towards that way based on how he's shot in the playoffs from deep, but like 
He was one of the best corner three-point shooters in the league this year. I, I don't know how like comfortable you should be leaving him wide open because I feel like eventually that floodgate's going to open. Um, and yeah, I just I think you're right in that. Just maybe there aren't enough bodies, and like whenever. And, like, Steve Kerr, I guess, is on one level sort of hamstrung by the fact that he doesn't have that many guys, so he's just trying to throw stuff at the wall to see what works. But having 11 guys play and Jordan Bell being, like, totally unplayable and Jarebko not having any juice defensively, like, I I don't know. I wonder if maybe they should just, like, pare it down and try to roll out Cousins and Livingston for more minutes. But, like, even then, that's Cousins and Livingston playing more minutes. They were both awful last night. So I don't really know what the answer is aside from just, like, get healthy. Um, which on that note, if Clay's coming back, uh, I'm sure we'll probably get news about KD at some point over the next 24 hours here before game four. They've been reporting whether he's going to play or not pretty well in advance of these games. Uh, that's where, that's where this game being on Friday helps the Raptors. Yeah, absolutely. Because Steve Steve Kerr has, uh, you know, said over and over again that KD needs to get one practice in before he plays. So pretty much if he, if he doesn't practice today, um, you can pretty much rule them out for tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess we'll find that out. It's like 8.15 uh, Pacific time right now so as we record, so we don't quite have any uh, reporting on that just yet. But, um, yeah. yeah, like I, I still am very skeptical as to whether Durant's going to play at all, and maybe that's uh, like me being naive or hopeful or something. But, like, it, it still feels like such a weird handling of the injury and the timeline and everything that I just – I'm I'll believe it when I see it that he's actually going to play. Um, but – the the return of him looms large, obviously. The Raptors now have the two wins in the bag, which is great, and they get home court back, which is also very handy. And maybe they get another game on Friday where they can t- sort of take advantage of a depleted Warriors team and put them on the back heel going home. I would probably bet the Warriors are going to come out with another sort of similar game two-ish punch because they're the Warriors, and we saw last night. They're just never, ever going to die. Um, <laughs> but, like, I don't know. Do you think if... KD comes back in Game 4 that this is still just like the Warriors series and it's a wash. Do you see a way in which the Raptors can beat the Warriors with KD playing, assuming he's close to full health? Like, it's I've, a lot of like sort of the the conversation around it has been, yeah, once KD's back, they're just going to rattle off every win that they need and then it'll be over. But I don't know. Do you see a way in which the Raptors sort of hang with the Warriors anyway? And, you know, because they already had the two wins, like, do you see them picking up two wins in the next four games, even if if KD plays all of them? I still think uh, the Raptors can win this series. Uh, if Kevin Durant comes back for game four, I think they will take confidence from their defense. I think they've yeah. been, uh, you know, I mean, that, that's that's been uh, their calling card throughout this entire postseason. And, you know, I think they will still believe that they can do enough things to, uh, limit the Warriors scoring and then it's a question of just getting off their own offense obviously that matchup between Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard will be huge whenever it materializes if it materializes and but I also think you know there's still something to be said for a guy like Kevin Durant coming back and the Warriors you know sort of being able to go back for, to themselves um over this stretch against you know against Portland and whatnot and um, and now having to revert back to KD being the guy and maybe Steph being thrown off kilter a little bit and you know I, I don't think it's just peaches and creamy comes back and it's all a result right you you still got to find that rhythm got to find that flow and I think to do it at this at such a late stage in the NBA Finals that's asking a lot especially you know with the Raptors having the series lead yeah and I think you know the 
I, I feel like the game last night should probably put to rest any of the are they better without KD conversations because obviously that's stupid. But um, like it is kind of a lot after Curry's been taking on such an enormous load and, and usage. You throw KD back in there. How does that balance sort of reestablish itself? And how many games does it take for that equilibrium to sort of be, you know, reestablished? Right? Like it, it, it's not like it's you just plop them in and boom, they're the, the same Warriors that were sort of rattling off games in the middle of the season. Like it's it, there's going to be a bit of an adjustment period there. And also, Kevon Looney being out too is is important because I think Demarcus Cousins is more the player we've seen in Game One and Three than he is in Game than he was in Game Two. I think. And that that matters too. And there's just like even if you have KD out there and you're going small and you're playing Draymond at center, I think the Raptors can sort of hang with that and potentially kind of exploit them on the glass a little bit in those situations because the Raptors are so big. Um, and I think Gasol can kind of hang there if Green's going to play center. You can kind of hang back and not worry about him um, as a shooter and stuff like that. And I think you can manage it because Gasol's shown that he can be pretty good in space and whatnot in this series. It's uh. I, it'll be tough, obviously, because KD's ridiculous, but I do think the Raptors have the juice. They're really, really good. And another thing, too, and I think Joe Wolfon mentioned this on the Pound the Rock this week, is that, like, Kawhi is sort of, like, drifting off in, like, no man's land on defense right now because he doesn't have, like, a dude. He doesn't have a Giannis or a Simmons to, like, key in on and do, like, the one-on-one, I'm going to shut you down defense type of thing. And I wonder if maybe if KD comes back, like, that helps you get more out of Kawhi on defense because he's not been... Awesome. Like I mentioned earlier, he kind of got cooked on a couple switches by Curry, and he's just kind of hanging around, waiting for stuff to happen away from the ball, with mostly hanging out on Green and Iguodala. And I wonder if, yeah. like, if he, if he has that responsibility of like, all right, dude, go guard Kevin Durant, as we saw back in their matchup um, where KD put up 51. But when we saw that matchup back in November, like, I, I wonder if maybe that sort of gets a little bit more out of that defensive resource uh, that is Kawhi if if KD's on the floor. Do you sort of buy into that as well? Yeah, I like that theory. Um, I could definitely see it happening. I think more than anything, it's just, you know, when you look at Kawhi's strengths as a player, both offense, defense, you know, it, it's sort of in a half-court one-on-one matchup where guys kind of pounding the ball and trying to figure out a way past you. And against a guy like Kawhi, that's very difficult to do. Mm-hmm. So in terms of who sort of best fits that prototype um, between Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Kevin Durant, it's definitely Kevin Durant. So... Um, I could see why he's, he, you know, that he would prefer to defend someone like Kevin Durant as opposed to Steph Curry or Clay Thompson. Um, and yeah, we'll see. I, I think this whole Kevin Durant situation has become increasingly weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, you know, as amazing as Kevin Durant is, you know, possibly the best player in the game, if not second or third, uh, wherever you have him, you know, to miss all this time. You don't expect him to be uh, Kevin Durant right away, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it might take a game or two just to get the reps in. Um, he'll still be incredibly effective, I imagine, but it, it, I, I don't think it'll be quite the same. Yeah, it's uh, it remains the big sort of like sword hang over the entire series that's waiting to drop, but. Uh, I guess we'll have to see what the reporting comes out today, whether he's going to play or not, and then we will, I guess, deal with it as it comes. Uh, it's been fun. The Raptors are up 2-1 in the finals. It's been great. Savor it all, man. It's been a blast. Every win is a treasure, and even if they lose it, like they are very much for real. It's going to suck ass if they lose, having been so good in this series. Um, but they, uh, 
they've shown that they very much belong, which is great to see. Uh, they've won, what, 10 of the 12 quarters that have been played now? Yeah, they've been the better team for a very significant balance of the play, which is good to see. Uh, and I... I I'm not ruling out a game three, a game four win, and like coming back and like doing the 2014 Spurs thing where the Heat were just like over that shit and the, and the Spurs won it. Like that's on the table now, and I think winning one of the games in in, in Oracle is going to be obviously very incumbent, so you don't fall down three one. Although three one in the Warriors, who knows? <laughs> but uh, like I, I, I think. You've already gotten the sort of burden of getting home court back out of the way. They can kind of play even more freely in the next game, I think, which will probably lead to good things because when the Raptors play freely, they are typically pretty damn hard to beat. So um, that's my hard analysis of their brains and uh, <laughs> of this series. Uh, in fact, we could probably wrap it there. Do you have anything you'd like to plug right now? Uh, just my usual stuff, uh, Yahoo Sports Canada. Make sure you're checking it out. Follow me on Twitter at VivekumJacob. And that is about it. Right on, man. Uh, you can find me at Willie Sean on Twitter. You can subscribe, rate, review to this podcast and all the Locked On shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and Himalaya. Make sure you're checking out Himalaya if you're in the market for a new podcast app. Uh, big thanks to Hotels.com and Grip6 for sponsoring today's show as well. Uh, I have not really written a whole lot for the finals because I'm not credentialed and I've been doing a lot of podcasting and a lot of other work, so haven't had much time to write for HQ, but I'm sure I'll have something there at some point over the next week or so as the finals continue on. And uh, yeah, some fun stuff in the works. Keep an eye open as well. Uh, That's going to do it, though. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will talk to you next time on Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.